Hi, everyone, and welcome to uh, another episode of the podcast, All the Things ADHD. All the things. Yes. But I'm bummed. We should introduce ourselves as co-hosts because we didn't do that last time. We just like oh, barreled Jesus. through it. So I'm <laughs> one of your co-hosts, Lise Galler-Upasset. And I am the other one of your co-hosts, Amy Hope Morrison. Yeah. The first. I don't like to keep making the first. Joke. The first. The first of her name. The first of my name. Yeah. True story. The first of your name. Uh, mm-hmm. How are things going? Uh, things are going okay. Uh, if any of our listeners happen to see me at Four Seas, hello, listeners. <laughs> uh, it's uh, nice to hear you, but except I can't hear you. Oh, shit. I blew that, didn't I? Okay. Hey. I was at a conference. I was in Chicago. I have a neurodivergent hangover which I recognized when I came home. Um, so be pleased about that. We are learning about ourselves. How about you, Lee? How are you? Pretty good. Weather's weird. Yay. Allergy season at the end of February in Northern Virginia, which is like, so, you know, I'm sorry if I don't mute myself before I sneeze uh, during this. Thanks, recording. climate change. Thanks, climate change. Uh, so we're, doing, we're surviving. You, you have we're snow. Surviving. I have unseasonably warm weather. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I dislocated my thumb shoveling yesterday. Thanks, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fun. Do you know that you're uh, more prone to migraines because of that? I sure do. Yeah, yeah, I sure yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, shoveling snow will also give me migraines just because it makes me so angry. Yeah, well, that I mean, <laughs> I mean, isn't that doesn't it all make us angry? So, uh, so I was going to say, so Lee surviving. Uh, that's not right. Surviving. Today we're talking about survival tips. Yes, we got a uh, an email from listeners. See, I read them um, about uh, you know being neurodivergent at universities and surviving that, which clearly you and I both did, uh, not mm-hmm. worse for wear. So this could also be things Lee and Amy wish they knew when they were uh, mm-hmm. at university so that maybe it wouldn't have been as traumatic as it actually was. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this because this is a type of survival episode that this podcast was originally meant to address instead of us surviving all of our various physical yeah. and emotional calamities, which yeah. has been a different kind of survival or surviving a pandemic, which is also something this podcast did not anticipate having to do a lot of content about. And yet there we were. So hooray, we're back in the realm of tips and trips. Tips. Oh no. Trips. <laughs> Tip and tricks for academic life right yeah undergrad edition yeah and I think that one of the things that I have to say because I was I was thinking about this um I actually was thinking about this before we recorded as opposed to and I because I was thinking of the advice and and there is it again there's an incredible amount of privilege behind this and some of these recommendations may not be attainable um, mm-hmm. just because of the particular situation, because the first one I was going to give was, um, get your, while you are still at home with your primary care provider under your parents' insurance in your hometown, get your diagnoses. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that relies on you having a primary care provider, parents with insurance and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you do have these things, I think having that updated diagnosis in hand, before you go is really important. Yeah, often universities um, require, in Canada at least, I'm not sure about the 
the the state in the U.S. Um, in Canada that if you had your evaluation done more than five years ago, right, it doesn't count. Or if you had yeah. your evaluation done um, when you were younger than 18 and you are now older than 18, that doesn't count either, right? So um, yeah, so I guess tips and tricks number one would be managing the paperwork um, of, of diagnosis and accommodation. And the first step is to make sure um, that the institution that you are at um, will accept whatever documentation you already yeah. have or um, whatever school you intend to go to, uh, what their requirements are in terms of documentation. So that as Lee has suggested, uh, you can glom onto your parents' insurance while you still have it. In some cases, if you have um, older paperwork, like say from when you were 11 or when you were 13, and it needs to be updated, it might be possible for your family doctor to update that without you going through a whole psych eval again, because those can be tremendously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I wound up paying um, $3,500 out of pocket for um, my child's assessment and about $2,000 out of pocket um, for my own, probably because my assessment went quicker because I was not, in fact, taking off my shirt and refusing to do the tests as much as my child was when they were eight years old. Um, but be yeah. aware, this is expensive. And in fact, before going to that expense, um, yeah. if you have been diagnosed with ADHD or suspect you have ADHD, um, before you go through that whole process again, check what accommodations your institution will actually be able to provide for you, and if those are useful accommodations. You may require, dear listeners, you, you may, re oh my god, I can't talk to you. You may remember, dear listeners, that I have written a very long and heavily cited by me paper um, on academic accommodations, right, uh, precisely around this way, and different institutions accommodate ADHD differently. So even in some elementary and high schools in the U.S., ADHD does not count um, as a disorder for which you require accommodation, right? Which legal accommodation, like you are legally required to um, provide accommodation to those students. Um, and that is in the case in some jurisdictions. So it may be the fact that getting expensive paperwork or updating expensive paperwork and going through all the bureaucratic processes at whatever institution you are attending will not, in fact, produce any measurable result except your own exhaustion and rage. So check on that first. And that might, you know, again, taking an even step back, um, if we're, if you're in your junior or senior year of high school and you're trying to make these decisions, that might be something to investigate that will inform your decision, right? Mm -hmm. What are the accommodations? What is the office like? Everybody has an office of accommodations. Ours is called ARC, the Academic Resource Center. Every university in both Canada and the United States is required to have one. Now, mm -hmm how good they are, that's an open question. So again, investigating these things, asking these kinds of questions ahead of time, what's the documentation, what are the accommodations and support that they get are able to offer you? And those might be, could be, you know, again, if it's a university that has the program that you absolutely want to do, um, maybe this isn't a factor, but it could be and probably should be a factor in deciding. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm thinking of, Lee? I'm thinking of you telling this story about your undergrad at Sherbrooke, um, where all the classes were three hours long, right? So, oh, yeah. so some yeah. <laughs> institutions have uh, some bonkers setups that may or may not help people with ADHD, may yeah. or may not hinder people with ADHD in achieving success. You might want to think about the academic programs you're interested in at different schools. Um, I know, for example, at Waterloo, the engineering and computer science programs are cohort 
based, which means everybody takes roughly the same classes at the same time and you move through as a group from admission to graduation. So if you suspect um, you might require like a reduced course load in order to be able to succeed, you might want to look um, for institutions that have a little bit more leeway in terms of how you arrange um, your own schedule, right? So, yeah. so I know a lot of students really struggle with being locked into um, sort of programmatic requirements that don't allow them actually to access the accommodations that they are entitled to. Yeah. And, and again, all of these things, and, and, you know, this is, this is a lot of privilege where if you are a junior or senior or a parent of a junior or senior or somebody who will be looking on the college that, you know, all things that should be again, taken into consideration. This is, this is that, that, um, fit question, right? Yeah. The, the, you know, how will you fit? And you should take your neurodivergence, your ADHD, any of that kind of stuff into consideration. Um, I can imagine that uh, a smaller liberal arts campus might be a better fit list for somebody who is autistic rather mm -hmm. than say University of Arizona or Arizona State University with 60,000 students. Look, I, I went yeah. to York that has like 40,000 undergraduate yeah. students or did when I uh, attended and all of my classes were absolutely enormous. My first year was very, very easy to disappear, right? Yeah. It was both overstimulating and very, very, very easy um, to disappear there and have no one kind of follow up with you. That was biology. When I was in biology, when I switched to English, I actually had in my first year English seminar, uh, a professor call me at home <laughs> right, and say, where were you? We haven't seen you for two weeks please come to class. And I was like, yeah. holy shit, he knows who I am. Right. Um, and that made yeah. a big difference uh, yeah. for me. And, and again, like there's, there's lots of various reasons I, and cause it's, it's college admittance season over here. I'm sure down in Canada yeah, or too. up in Canada, I'm down in the States. You're up <laughs> in Canada. It's I fine. One of us can talk today. That's a good, start. yes, that's really yeah. great. Well, maybe I'm in Alaska mm -hmm. right now and it is down in Canada. I don't know, maybe. Um, but I'm not maybe. in Alaska. Um, I'm down in Northern Virginia. Uh, but, you know, like the reasons why people will pick schools is baffling to me. Like uh, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I coach swimming and there's a lot of lifeguards and the lifeguards are, you know, late teens. And one of them was like, I only want to go to an SEC school, which is mm -hmm. a Southeastern Conference school. So based on sports that has a major football team. Right. Okay. That's very academically minded. Y yeah. And, but you know, to each their own, if they're just getting, you know, for a lot of people, it's just getting a degree, mm -hmm. right? Because they, they're told they need to get a degree. So it's like acquiring a degree, like it's like yeah. some level in a video game where you have to just do a bunch of grind and then you get the thing that you want so that you can do the thing that you want and you can stop doing the grind. Um, I guess that's another question too, if people are considering when and where to go to to college i would say probably an adhd tip and trick here is do something you're interested in because it's oh, yeah. really really hard um to do things that you are not interested in as all of us already know right and so if you fill your whole degree with um shoulds and have to and important um that do not actually attach to intrinsic motivation within yourself you're going to find it very hard to succeed so now actually is the time uh, when you're choosing programs or choosing schools to think less about what other people want for you um, and more what you want for yourself, to think a little bit less about what you should be able to do and what you actually are 
able to do because we talk a lot on this podcast about the call coming from inside the house right the internalized ableism is very real and often when we struggle to do things we double down on that one thing that we we can't do like lee trying to do flips off the dock and bruising her backside uh you know very hard and like just think like i can't do it so i should actually lean harder into that thing that i find excruciatingly difficult out of some sort of sense of i'll show you all right things will be different i'm not different right but somehow magically things will transform themselves so this is a good time for people to exercise a little bit of of insight because uh particularly in the u.s going to college is an incredibly expensive undertaking uh so you don't want to be trying to prove something to the ableist that lives inside your own brain while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that leads into another big piece of advice um, is, you, you know, not just doing, you know, doing the program that you're interested in, that you're going to get excited about, but also you are going to do university differently. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. It's, it is okay to, um, here in the States, we have community college. It's yeah. okay that if you need extra scaffolding to live at home and to go to community college yep. for the first two years. Do oh, your first me. two years, right? Do your yep. first two years in a, yeah, a slowly unscaffolding environment, right? Where you begin to maybe navigate what it means to take college level courses in college level structures where the day is not the same as a high school day would be, but you're not also dealing with the additional challenge of taking on a massive loan, moving somewhere else and having to make all new friends, right? Sometimes taking a little bit of the challenge at a time is uh, a prudent financial as well as neurological strategy. Yep. Mm -hmm. And even if you are ready to go away and you, and you, and you do go away, you know, um, you're going to have to think you are not going to, you know, be like your classmates mm-hmm. and your roommate and all of that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Right. That is perfectly okay. Even though, um, you may feel that it's not, uh, that, that this yeah. is so easy for my roommate to do. This is so easy for my lab partner to do. This is so easy for my group to do. This is, you know, or, you know, and they do it this way. And so I feel like I should have to do it this way. No, right. You are different from them. Yeah. And that's okay. Let's stick with this for a bit because I've been thinking about this precise part of the issue. Um, particularly when I was just in Chicago at four C's, um, I got to help, um, a colleague, Melissa Forbes, create a documentary about last minute writing strategies among people with ADHD. So she went around interviewing people who were at the conference with ADHD currently writing their papers at the conference, right, to to be done. Um, and that session was, it was just the two of us and the movie and a Q&A and naturally neurodivergent squad showed up there as well as some administrators and, <laughs> and professors who work with neurodivergent students trying to, to figure out, um, you know, what's the deal with the ADHD. And um, I had one woman come up and, and mentioned to me how she tries to support her students with ADHD, um, you know, by offering them different tips and tricks around approaching writing projects that don't involve like having extensions and and endless kind of deferrals and stuff. And, and what she said was like, and they keep making excuses, right? And I was like, well, let me like push back a tiny bit on that. She's like, and I offer them this and they don't want it. And they make an excuse and then they make an excuse. I'm like, I think that's internalized ableism, right? Is, is when you offer to help 
um, a student who has an undergraduate student, particularly who has ADHD, um, get through a barrier that is preventing them from succeeding, right? Um, if that is not the standard process that other people are also accessing, often they will refuse, right? Yeah. Sometimes I have said to students like, you know, you're in my office asking me about like how you can get started on this paper and you don't know and you've told me you have ADHD and, and I do too. So here's what we're going to do. You have 10 minutes with me, open up your laptop, just start brainstorming right now. We're doing body doubling and they don't want to do it because like, they're like, do you do this with other people? I'm like, well, sometimes, right? Um, but they don't want um, often to accept help that marks them as different. And when I say them, I mean us, right? Yes. So we can have difficulty accepting our own differences from the standard way of doing things. Um, because, you know, as we've discussed extensively on this podcast, we've been told our whole lives that the way that we do things are wrong, that we're getting away with stuff, we shouldn't be doing it at the last minute, we shouldn't be doing it like this. And who do we think we're fooling, and we're not living up to our potential. And like, we already know everything that we want to do is wrong. And usually, like we were discussing on our last episode, if it if it works for us, and it's pretty easy, we're suspicious, right? Yeah. That we're not doing it right, because we're not suffering enough. Struggling. So, struggling. So the first part of this is that um, if you know you have ADHD and you you are trying to think about how you can succeed in your undergrad and you're writing us an email, maybe, um, I don't know if this is the, the student's particular situation. It's because you don't quite know, right, how to do this and you suspect it's not working out the way you're doing it right now. You cannot then, right, refuse everyone's suggestions. Maybe you should try some of them. Do not think, oh, well, that's different than what I would have chosen to do. That's why you're asking for advice, yeah. right? So you have to sort of, if you're asking for help, be open to what people are suggesting. And it's not a forever thing, right? You can be like, well, I'll try to sit here and brainstorm with you, but I think I might be too nervous to do that. And at the end of it, you might be like, oh, actually that really worked. I'm going to try doubling with other people or like, yeah, actually, I'm really nervous doing this with my professor, but I see like, maybe I should do it with a friend, right? If you don't know what works um, for you currently, it also means you don't know what's not going to work if it's yeah. something you've never tried before. So accept your differences um, and be willing to ask for a specific kind of help. Yeah. Um, and another one, particularly if you're moving away, right? Mm -hmm. This is executive functioning mm -hmm. overload, right? Mm -hmm. All of these things that used to be taken care of by hopefully, again, from a privileged position, a parent or a guardian who cared mm -hmm. for you and, you know, picked up your bowl when, oh you, God. you know, that that gets left on the table every single morning. The cereal I'm not ready to gets... talk about that, Lee. I've just yeah, done no. that this morning. I've just yeah. cleared up the dishes. Mm -hmm. So, so my, my thing was laundry. I hate laundry. I still hate laundry. I hated laundry back then. And it was the funniest thing that like, I, you know, I knew I hated laundry and I, it's a, it's a neurodivergent thing, but I hated laundry. I knew also that I was going to go away to university. I had to go away to university. I had to move out of my house, all of that. I started stockpiling underwear. Oh, yeah. At like 15, 14, because every, you know, they don't really do this anymore. But every year at Christmas, when the stocking stuffers would be a six pack of underpants. Oh, I just did that for my right. kid this year. And actually yeah. for my husband. Too. Yeah. I think well, yeah. socks, I mean, and, and, then, yeah, socks and underwear and batteries, although batteries doesn't really matter anymore because no. everything is rechargeable. But it was like, mm -hmm. that's what you got in your stock. Yeah, you socks, underwear, you and batteries. Need, you don't need batteries. You need charging cables. That's what yes. people get. Yeah, that's and, and blocks and charging blocks. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but um, but I started stockpiling underwear. And so I knew my mom did laundry like every other day. Ugh, um, and so I would just keep, I would never open those packs of underwear 
And so like every year I would just collect all these. And then, so by the time I went away to university, I had like 40 pairs of brand new underpants that like like, meant I could go home once a month, have my mom do my laundry and I never ran out of clean underwear. Can I just flag here? I love this paradox is that you don't have the executive function required to do your own laundry every week, but you have the executive function required to run this long con right? Where you're going to actually collect packages of underwear for years in a consistent way because you've made a plan when you are 15 about for when you go to university, right? And I love this because this is peak ADHD for me to like, well, somebody who can make that kind of plan and carry it out over several years is somebody who ought to be able to do their laundry once a week, but nope, nope, that's not how it works. And I love that story. That's (laughs) an amazing story. Yeah, that's a joke yeah. we used to make about like you ran out of dishes, just buy more dishes. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, we would we would go to the cafeteria. And steal them. Yeah, that, that sounds right. And we had uh, it was actually really and and again, this is the kind of thing that campus visits and all that kind of stuff do too, because you know different campuses will offer different amenities and i hate to use amenities because we have the amenities race you hear about the like lazy river and all of that kind of stuff but you know there was something to be said that um at sherbrooke and i didn't realize that this wasn't universal because i was like i'm just going here i don't even care um we had uh mini fridges in our room and if you were in old res, that's what we called it, you also had a sink in your room. Ooh, like yeah. a convent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I met then, you know, you just go away, to, or at least I just went away to university naively and then, you know, run into other people and like they gave you a mini fridge. We had to buy our own and put it in our room. Or, you know, we didn't have sinks in our room. So you had to go to like the shared bathroom if ever you wanted to brush your teeth or whatever. But that also, we and we also weren't required at the time, and probably still today, we weren't required to buy a meal plan. Mm. And so there was a cafeteria, but we also, in residence, had a kitchen on every single floor. Mm-hmm. And so we had shared kitchen facilities, which meant that we could save money by cooking for ourselves. Now, Did you again, cook, yeah, Did you I microwaved. Cook for yourself? Oh, okay. Oh, I would microwave. You know, but you had a sink in your room. So you, you could, in the mornings, if you just wanted cereal, you'd pull your box of cereal, you get your bowl and your spoon, get your milk out of your fridge, eat your cereal, <laughs> then leave your bowl in your sink. Sure, forever. <laughs> forever. Mm-hmm. Um, forever. Yeah. But I think but again, I, like I had a residence where, <laughs> yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, I had a residence where it was like an apartment style residents so it had a mini kitchen and by mini I mean it had like an undersized microwave and a hot plate with one burner on it but like no stove right and uh and so we were not in the meal plan and we had to like trek out uh, quite far to buy groceries and it was crazy and uh yeah I'm probably the only person who like my freshman 15 was I lost 15 pounds because I, I didn't eat because it was very inconvenient <laughs> to try to get well, food I- and I forgot that I was hungry I mostly survived on these like um they were like chocolate mousse cups you could get at the like convenience yeah. store. So it was like yeah. a pie can and then a panzerato from like panzerato and pizza place. And that was like what I ate coffee, panzerottos and chocolate mousse cups. Honestly, it's amazing. I'm still alive. Yeah. I wow. mean, I ran out of money one semester mm-hmm. for reasons. And my friend had decided she was going to go on uh, a diet 
because this was the 90s mm -hmm. and that's what you did in the 90s so she got rid of um uh she had all of these uh cans of creamed soup right Ooh. that like you, you go to costco you get the canned yeah, yeah, soup yeah. And, and there was this and a huge box of minute rice oh wow. and she Mind gave all living. of that to me and that's basically what i lived off of for You're like one chicken breast shy of like old timey chicken casserole there yeah no right. exactly no i was um that's Amazing. basically what i ate it was was meatless chicken and mushroom casseroles oh my god for an entire like semester with rice i love that yeah. How did we get through it? Yeah. So amenities are important. If you're not, if you haven't got the spoons to remember or to eat or know how to cook, make sure you are going to go someplace where you can be taken care of in those ways and that you have 40 pairs of underwear so that yeah. at Thanksgiving, but, you can get your mom to do your laundry for you. But I think that these are, but, but it's also, you know, if you know that you tend to forget to eat, right. Mm -hmm. And this comes into the whole outsourcing, um, mm -hmm. set up reminders. Yeah. Right. Think about those things that you struggle with and try to automate a lot of it. Yeah. Right. Where, um, you know, set up the reminder on your phones like you should go eat now or, um, you know, even it's really easy to go like go from class and then forget to stop off at the cafeteria. Right. Put a notification saying stop at the cafeteria and pick up at least a piece of fruit, um, you know, so. Or like we, none of this was automated. Everything's automated now. But if you have bills to pay, make sure those are automated. Um, yeah. If you know, and, and outsource as much as you can. That kind of makes me think of like another challenge that I really struggled with um, in my undergrad. And in fact, to this day, and that would be bureaucratic deadlines, right? Oh, yeah. Like I'm the type of person who's going to forget when course selection day is and then not get any of the courses that I need um, because I accidentally made a different plan. And I was like watching X-Files the movie when I was supposed to be registering for my courses and I missed my window or tuition payment deadline or uh, library book return deadlines. I think I've like been banned from every academic library uh, at every institution I've ever been at for like my accumulation of fines from things I forgot um, to return or lack the executive function. And it can quickly become disabling. Actually, yeah. You can have a disabling level of blocks on your everything. Um, so here at Waterloo, since... I mean, thanks surveillance culture, but since everything is run through the course management system now, um, which is linked to the registrar's office, if your fees are not arranged, they say arranged on time, you'll just be blocked from all the courses you are in fact registered in and you can't access them. Um, and that can now put you behind in term hasn't even started yet because not that you haven't paid your tuition, but you haven't signed the form that says you're going to pay your tuition. And I think the sheer profusion of things that come to us through apps that we have to download or, you know, special dates that that come up that get sent through institutional emails of which you probably receive 600 or like notifications about things that are, are happening or deadlines that you have to meet that are kind of institutional in nature, right? Like your housing form, like, you know, you're going to wind up not having residence this year because you didn't get the housing form in on time, even though you were guaranteed a spot, all you had to do was send this letter back and you didn't, right? Like, so um, I would say one of the things that distinguishes university or college from high school is this like massive number of kind of executive function paperwork tasks that can like prevent you from graduating on time. Yeah. 
honestly. Like, yep. In fact, when I was graduate chair, associate chair for graduate studies in my department, I regularly would confront like, you know, year six PhD students who like had submitted their dissertation and were going to defend it, but had to spend an extra semester paying tuition because they never met their language requirement. And now they yeah. have to take a French course, right? Like, so make sure also that you know what your program requirements are. Most programs, like I say, stay away from the cohort-based ones, maybe because like, if you miss a class, now you're fucked. You have to start over. And, but sometimes courses where it's pretty, um, courses of study, programs of study where it's pretty clear which courses you need to take when are better than those where it's like in an English degree, you'll get this like giant chart. It's like, you need to take three of these four courses, right? But then you need to take two of the five courses in this group and then one from the six courses in this group and then uh, a free course that you can take from any group and that counts as this. It's like, what? It's like some kind of logic puzzle yeah. where the prize is you get to graduate on time, right? With the degree that you want. You don't want to miss getting an honors degree because you didn't take enough third year courses, right? You don't want to miss taking the fourth year seminar because you don't have the prerequisite that you were meant to take in your second year. So I would say um, appointments with your academic advisor are your best friend because yep. some of, I have written some of these and I have rewritten some of these documents. And if you, these documents about like what courses you need to take to graduate and what your academic requirements are, are written by people with PhDs who have not left universities since 1975. <laughs> and they don't realize actually how arcane yeah. these forms look to people, right? Like I need a yeah. group A course. I need like a Renaissance and then I need a Shakespeare, but like a Shakespeare and a Renaissance don't count as the same thing. And you're going to like, what's a cross list? Does that mean I get to count it twice? No, it does not. Right. Like these kinds of things get a grown up to explain it to you. Neurotypical students do this all the time. Neurotypical students generally have the spoons to go see their academic advisor to get help with like, am I meeting my program requirements? Will I graduate on time? Right. Because you, there are a lot of reasons that your ADHD may delay you from graduating on time, like including that you may need to take a reduced course load or, or some such thing as that, but it shouldn't be because you forgot to take a French course. Yeah. Right. And now here or you took are, the wrong you French have, course, right? You need 30 credits to graduate. You have 40 credits, but you can't graduate because one of them is not a French course and you need to take yeah. that. So it's very bedeviling these kinds of things. So ask your academic advisor if there are charts, like we have a, a tick sheet that I created for our graduate students, which is like, if oh, that's good. This degree, because we have six degrees. It's like, you know, you can do a, a master's of arts co-op. You can do a master of art non-co-op. You can do it in literature. You can do it in um, rhetoric and communication design. You can do a mixed one. You can do it by thesis. You can do it by coursework. <laughs> you can do it by major project. And like my head's exploding just thinking yeah. about it, but in my head, Same. I can see it. I can see a yeah. chart, right? And so what I did was I, I made the chart for people. I'm like, if this is your degree, this is what you need to do. These yeah. are your milestones, right? So if that does not exist um, at your institution, try to create one for yourself and then check it with an academic advisor. Um, yeah. And then you may wind up getting hired by the academic advisor to make checklists for your whole program. That's yeah. very important. Like you go through high school and your guidance counsel will be like, whoa, 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 you need to take another history course. You're not going to graduate, right? Um, but at university, they just sometimes do and sometimes don't follow up with you. And again, that that, so. that depends on institution type, right? Mm -hmm. Larger institutions, mm -hmm. big R ones, um, yeah. will typically you take whatever you want. Though they will take your tuition money, you take as many classes Forever. as you want, whether or not That's you graduate. Right. Um, smaller yeah. liberal arts. Again, this is a very American thing where we have this differentiation uh, between institution types. Small, we have Matt small Allison. liberal arts. What's that? We have Mount Allison, right? Like yeah. we have a couple or, or Saint FX. Saint FX, yeah, we have a couple. They're mostly yeah out there in the Maritimes. Um, but yeah, but again, like I, I actually again lucked out 
that I took this super small, super niche program at Sherbrooke where I literally had zero choices. Right. That worked like, for you. Yeah. And that worked for me um, because it was just like, here are the courses that you have to take and they only get offered every three years. So you have to take it this year, even if it's a fourth level course, because it won't yeah. be available right? When you come back from your co-op work term in this amount of time. So it was like, oh, oh, okay. So I'll just take, and so, you know, it, it, in, it inadvertently became kind of a cohort model because they were were so limited in the classes we could take, but it was also just there. What I didn't have an overwhelming choice. It was just like, here are your courses. Oh, by the way, you're coming for summer semesters. Just do your electives over the summer. Okay. Like what? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let um, me, uh, yeah. Surprising <laughs> no one, Lee, my experience was completely different Yeah. because York is absolutely not like that. Right. Yes. And I had it's no idea. Massive. Yeah. Right. It's massive. And I took courses I wanted to take. Right. Yeah. And then like in my third year, maybe I was like, Hmm, like, is, are there requirements? Which was something I didn't know. Yeah. Right? Um, so the thing that saved me at York was not that it was a small program and everybody around me pushed me through, but rather um, the environmental reminders. So you'll recall, um, dear yes. listeners, and possibly Lee, that in an earlier episode, I was saying, like, I miss fewer meetings when we're not in pandemic time, because if I go to campus uh, and I know there's a meeting today, even if I'm in my office and I forget, people will walk past my door <laughs> and then I'll know it's time to go to the meeting, right? Or, you know, when I hear all the students bust out of the classrooms that are around my office, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I have to go teach now, right? It'll, the environment reminds me of, of what I need to do or I'll see my colleagues and my colleagues are like, oh, did you see the lottery numbers came out for like H lot parking? And it's like, what? I should check my email, right? Um, and so it was similar at York. So I lived in residence for um, several years because York is out in the boonies and that was just easier for me, which meant that I was on campus almost all the time. There were passive reminders in my environment. Like I had to walk all the way across campus to get to most of my classes and there'd be posters up all the time about when the elections were and like when course selection time was going to be and what to look for in your mail. And I would be in classes with students who would tell me about these other cool courses or be like, well, I have to take my, you know, my pre-1500 requirement. I'd be like, you're what now? Right. Um, So I was lucky to embed myself in a social and physical environment that offered plenty of reminders and some shaping force (laughs) to me. Like, because I, in my final year at York, I lived um, in Midtown Toronto, where it took me about, ooh, if I got lucky, an hour to get to campus on public transit. And if I was unlucky, two hours, right? Um, so I would be like, I should probably go to campus and figure this out today. Uh, fuck, like it's going to take too long. I'm not going to do it. So when I lived on campus, it was a lot easier for me to keep on top of those reminders because they were ever present. Like pay your tuition, tuition refund deadline is like now, or like you will not be allowed to enroll if you don't. I was okay because the posters were everywhere and I could see them and they would harass my subconscious until I dealt with them in a way that it was a lot easier to ignore that stuff accidentally um, when I lived off campus. So be aware of like, maybe like Lee, you want to be in a program where everybody takes the same courses and it's very small. Um, Or maybe you're like me and you want to go to a giant anonymous urban university, but you need to embed yourself fully in that environment so that the environment will tell you what you need to do um, in a more diffuse kind of way. Like, so what I guess we're both expressing here is like, be attentive uh, to the kinds of help that you need. Cause you're like, I just want to be good at school, but being good at school doesn't count if you missed your enrollment window. And the only <laughs> thing left is like first year Spanish. 
right? And you're like, but I'm a third year media studies student and all the courses I need to graduate, I can't get into because I, I had to wait till the open enrollment to enroll. And then I forgot to pay my tuition. So I missed the first two weeks of class because I didn't know the room got changed because that was on the website that I don't have access to, right? Do yeah. It's hard enough. It's hard enough to learn the intellectual material that will be presented in university. Do not make it harder on yourself by like forgetting shit, right? And yeah. make it easy to not forget shit by knowing what kinds of reminders or supports you need so that you don't just trip over the start line. Oh boy, that's my best doing that, yeah. tripping over the start line. Yeah, and that's, again, like, is it the environment? Is it setting up reminders on your phone? Is it push notifications? Is it friends, right? Because I was going to say that, I was actually going to say exactly the same thing, where mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, I would remember to do things because my social group, my friends would be like, Oh yeah, I just came back from doing this. Even if we weren't in the same program, it's like, oh, I just came back from doing this, and it's like, oh shit, I gotta go do that. And oh, they would do that. Yeah, where, where did you go? Where did you yeah. go for that? Well, and that too. But it, I mean, I, I think I also lucked out where, um, and, I, and I guess this is this is a more difficult piece of advice, but um, find your people and find the people who, uh, you will care for each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's important no matter what in university, but, yeah. you know, I ended up with really good friends who, you know, would walk me to places, yeah, right? Like they, you know, they, they would walk you to the place where you needed to go, or they would make sure that you got there, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, well, I'm leaving. You've got to pay rent. Well, we'll walk past the desk together. Yeah. I will go to my destination and you can... Drop you off know, your check. Drop yeah. off your stuff. You know, um, a lot of the times I would remember to eat because people would come and knock on my door and say, we're going to eat. Are yeah. you coming? And me going yeah. like, I guess so. Um, you yeah. know, so all of these, all of these kinds of like, there, there's the kind, I love the posters thing too, where it's just now when I walk around Georgetown campus, same thing. I'm like, oh, that's what time of year it is right now you know, where we have these ad yeah. drops, where we have clubs, where we, you know, yeah. this is, there's all those reminders, but then having people who will remind you, who will take you places, who will, you know, work with you. And then, you know, the, the repayment is what are the things that you're good at? And so I was a native language English speaker mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in an English program where there weren't many of us, everybody was a French, French was their first language. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, it wasn't even a barter system. It wasn't a, a trade, but it was like, I would help them with some of the stuff. I could help them with projects. I could help them with, you know, um, translating these certain things, making sure grammar was correct. All of the, you know, that that was fairly easy for me as a first language speaker. Yeah. Right. And so it just became, you know, what do, what do we bring in, in terms of friendships? And what can we provide to support one another in ways that are beneficial to all of us, right? Yeah, and, and that's so funny. just being able to find your people, and that's not easy in university either. You know, yeah. you don't know if your roommate is going to be your people. Um, you don't know if your classmates are going to be your people. Um, so, yeah, you sometimes know. you can have like a broad network of people. Yes. Right? Like, oh, yeah, that too. Um, and, and I love that idea of people like knocking on your door. That's just like people do to me now. Are you coming to this meeting, Amy? I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah I forgot. Yeah. Um, or, 
And I, I, I'm having like very strong flashbacks when you say about walking somebody someplace, because like, that would be me as like, oh God, I have to go bring these books back to the library. And I have to, like, and I am so scared. Like, look, I'll just, I'll walk you. Okay. And then we'll go to yeah. companies coming. So yeah. Hopefully we can get a table in the non-smoking section. Oh God. No longer <laughs> right? an issue, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, I did that a lot. I did that a lot. The things that were scary for me, uh, you know, the first like I want to go check out where my classes were before term started. I was a bit nervous and I would like bring somebody with me and we will just make like an activity out of it. Right. So you can have like fun stacking there. You can be like, this is yeah. a social activity. I'm getting a bit of exercise and I'm going to walk with, I'm going to walk so-and-so to work because their work is on the way to the place I need to drop off the thing. And then I get friend time, which is a reward in itself. I get a little bit of fresh air and exercise. And also I've attached a task to that, that I don't want to do so I will get it done um, when I get all the way there and I, I think that's really um, a good strategy is figure out how to again make things less hard um, yeah. for yourself um, I know that um, yeah so one of the things that I used to do for people was help them study because like I can read things incredibly fast and yes. I read more stuff yeah. than other people and I would like correct the grammar in their essays I would give them tips on structure and they would make sure that I ate and paid my tuition and let me know when the like academic advisor for English was offering appointments or remind me to do stuff I wasn't going to do. And I was like very happy with that. It felt, it didn't feel like I was anybody's pet, right? It felt like yeah, I was no, doing exactly. high value stuff for me and that they yeah. were helping me not flunk out of school, which was like yeah. really, really important to me. Um, and like another strategy that people can do, like either you make friends with people who are in your class, like I always make my students do this now because like they come and they stare into their own screens and like, I wish I knew yes. more people. Okay. Like, well, look, close the lid, turn to the person beside <laughs> you and say hello. So I structure that into all of my classes and I get students to exchange like various kinds of contact information with one another so that they have accountability partners and also yeah. a reason to come to class. Like I have found that, that students who feel that the classroom is socially cohesive, right? That there's a vibe in the room, that there are things that happen in that room, that the people are in the room that they know, um, even if they know them only in that room, that they are more likely to come because they are more invested because it feels real to them in some ways. So get to know some people in your classes, just passively that will help you when you don't want to email the prof about you're pretty sure they gave out the handout four times and you left it in class every single time. And you don't want to ask again, is there somebody else who can help you with that? Or um, alternatively, another good strategy is if you do have close friends at the institution where you are and they're studying similar things to you, um, it can be actually tremendously motivating and helpful to register for some of the same classes. Like I see this yes. among my own students. They register in classes with their friends and then they sit together and they're not like fucking around. They're actually learning together. But, you know, it's it's like those things where like, oh, if you're going to exercise first thing in the morning, get a workout buddy. Right. Yeah. So that like you don't want to just like hit the snooze button and not show up because your workout buddy's going to be standing there. Right. It's the same thing. If you register for classes with your friends, you're more likely to go. And since your friend's uh, opinion of you matters to you, you're less likely to just flunk out from inattention. Right. Um, because you'll be more invested, interested in in maintaining face with your friend um yeah. then you will be in like just taking the executive function non-win of like ah fuck it I'm just not gonna think about this course for a week right um so that could be tremendously helpful just depending on your personality type some people are like yeah. I want to do it by myself I do it myself because yeah. I'm gonna sit at the front because I have to or I'm gonna fall asleep and I need to stare at the professor and it's embarrassing I'll lose coolness points with my friends if they see me doing that so I want to be in completely different classes for them fine but think about what would make it more likely for you to go to class every time like if you're not a morning person don't sign up for the morning classes because you think you'll become a morning person um, yes I 
actually had a unless prof- you don't have a choice which unless you don't have a choice yeah so I took this fourth year seminar when I was at York and it was uh, contemporary American women writers and filmmakers right um and because it was like a movies class in the department of English with a popular professor she had it scheduled for Friday morning at 8 30 to keep the numbers down right yeah. and I was yeah. like oh my god what a fucking struggle it was to get up and we were in a classroom that had like those molded fiberglass chairs right? Yeah. Uh, oh. And linoleum floor at 830 in the morning, we would sit in these chairs and she'd turn all the lights off and we'd watch like, I don't know, a movie, a feminist yeah. movie, uh, 830 in the morning, these awful chairs the night after pub night and people were like struggling so hard. So like people know when you schedule classes at that time of day, people don't want to come, right? So if you're that person, I, you're not alone, right? Don't yeah. force yourself to become a morning person if that's not who you are. And if you don't, have to now is not the time to make dramatic changes in your own personality this is the time to be like the most important challenge here should be the intellectual challenge i'm not going to try to level up in every other area of my life i'm going to try to get the maximum learning out of this experience with the minimum of like accidentally got withdrawn from a course because of this or failed to submit a petition on time or didn't pay my tuition or missed my enrollment window or i never went to class and i wish i would have like don't don't layer those extra challenges on yourself. Make everything as easy for you to succeed as you can so you can save your spoons for the learning part. Yeah. And I think that it that is ultimately the thing, right? Is saving the spoons for the learning part. You know, yeah. and so much of our so much of yours and my struggles, and I think a lot of neurodivergent listeners who made it through university, it wasn't the academics that was Absolutely hard. Not. Ew. right you know and and sometimes it can be right again like i almost well i almost failed french grammar not because i couldn't do french grammar but because i was hung over all the time all the um time. which wasn't helpful uh and again like there's and i think that that's another lesson that you may need to learn learn yourself but mm-hmm. um especially like for me with adhd there was just so much i could do Mm-hmm. and access to so many things I wanted to do all the things oh god me too and so yeah. I did all the things yeah. and I also drank all the things yeah. and you know so in a lot of cases it was you know I want I'm you know extreme extrovert and all of a sudden I have these opportunities and you say multiple friends groups why well, my residence friends group and then I had my programmatic friends group and then there were the friends group who I also played hockey with or like oh floor hockey with and then you yeah. had the friends group like you know and it was like we well tonight busy. I'm going out with this friends group and this tomorrow night I'm going out with this friends group and hanging out with this friend and then it just it got to be too much right sure. I was sick almost the entire second half of my first semester Mm -hmm. and then came home for the holidays and just absolutely fell apart. I had never been up to that point that sick in my life. Yeah. I think I had a sinus infection every six months when I was in my undergrad. That's very painful. Do not recommend. Yeah. And, and part of it was, is I was just, I was doing all the things. Oh, Um, the things. Oh yeah. All the things. And then some, you know, I got involved and Part of it, again, was good because I made good Mm -hmm. friends and um, it kept me from sitting alone in my little tiny residence room that uh, a a friend who who saw it called it a veal fattening pen. Um, Oh, boy. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, again, Sherbrooke was built in the 50s. 
right? Oh, no, I've been and there. So I've been you in have, residence at Sherbrooke yeah. now. Oh, yeah, you've been. So, you know, they they look like little cells. Mm-hmm. And the color of the counters in the sink is that hospital green. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm trying to paint like, pictures for the uh, listeners. It's a home but... for insane nuns, I guess. Yeah. Is what you, yeah. You have yeah, even um, even Even better was the basement of the... the uh, it was Flesh Faculté des Lettres et Sciences Humaines. Ah, so the right. arts faculty mm-hmm. um, was also where psychology was. And they had the uh, psychology um, observation rooms. Oh, boy. Down That's in, great. Down in the basement. That's super. Yeah. That's no, it was not at all was, alarming. No, no, not at all alarming. Um, but it, I, but again, um, so there was the good the good side of it is that I had all of these social connections. It got me mm-hmm. out. You know, I would have had a tendency to maybe you know just isolate myself and I didn't want to do yeah. that so of course there's no it's zero or 11 and so yeah. I went with 11. I was gonna say there's um, something between isolation yeah. and party animal yeah <laughs> right and but it, but again like think about your your tendencies right mm-hmm. what are your tendencies um to extremes because again we're either yeah. zero or 11 so what's your zero and what's your 11 and how are you going to create patterns? Because we love our patterns. Once we get into a routine, we're awesome. Yeah, it's right? true. What, how are you going to work to create a rhythm or a pattern that allows you to find seven? Yeah, yeah. So Maybe even another, an eight. A suggestion I would have there too is like, in addition to like, you're going to be there for four years. You don't have to have every experience like in the first three months, right? Like what? you don't have to like go hard what? like that. What? It's true. It's true. Ask me how I know. Uh, yeah. Same. So right. Not. And then often uh, people will get involved in fairly intense, you know, romantic relationships when they start university often, right? Either like hookups or dating, or you're like going to fall in like with somebody. And this can be tremendously absorbing to the exclusion of all else that ought to be going on in your life. So, um, these are exciting experiences uh, to get to have, but like, be aware that that's a very (laughs) paid tuition and residence fees like that is a very expensive way to date, right? If that's all you're getting out of it, right? So um, this is a good time to practice maintaining some boundaries around this is the time I need um, to work on my schoolwork or no, I cannot go to this thing to this time of night because I have an 830 class or or what have you. But it's very easy um, because we are dopamine dependent creatures is that anything oh, that is exciting and engrossing, we will double down on. And the things that are important and less exciting, we will completely obliterate uh, from our, our thinking. So that's just a cautionary tale. Yeah. Um, did I tell you, I don't know if I've told this podcast once I went uh, to the night before an exam that was going to be like in the big school gym, I uh, it was like a fourth year English exam and some such. I don't remember. I went uh, downtown Toronto to the Phoenix to see Einstrasendi Neubatten uh, play, which is a German noise band. Uh, the word, the words Einstrasendi Neubatten translate to collapsing new buildings. And that's about what it sounds like at their concert. So even though I wore um, earplugs at the time, I remember thinking the next day as I wrote that exam, like having got home after taking like the late night um shuttle uh, bus streetcar and oh, yeah, then the yeah. late night bus and then like yep. marching the extra two kilometers to get from the late night bus back to my residence I remember thinking the next day quite early in this exam like oh that was not a stupid decision because the ringing in my ears is so loud it's like a white noise machine I cannot hear anybody else 
in this gym. So that worked out um, great for me, but not, that does not always work out. Yeah. And that's, and that actually comes back to the accommodation question too, Mm -hmm. right? Like you bring it up that I, you know, again, I was in a really small program. So we did all of our testing in our classes and it was paper-based mostly. So there weren't really final exams, but I do remember in SAJAP, having the experience and even in high school having the experience of the gymnasium exam yeah and um you know that this is another thing to to think about um can you get accommodations for that if if needed or Mm -hmm. um maybe this isn't the school for you uh right like that again all of these all of these different kinds of considerations in Mm -hmm. terms of right fit and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay if your definition of fit is not somebody else's, because like Absolutely. I said, there are ridiculous reasons why people go places. Yeah. The best school right. for you to go to is a school at which you can succeed, Yeah, right? Not yeah. a school at which you would be able to succeed if you were a completely different person, the person that everyone else wants you to be, or the person that you think you should be able to be if you were living up to your potential, right? Like the best degree, it's like my dissertation advisor used to say to me, like the best dissertation is a completed dissertation, right? Like yeah. get it done. So the best undergraduate degree is a completed undergraduate degree, one where hopefully you you learn something and that has to be kind of the primary consideration yep. there. Um, I would say another category of tips, and this is is harder, so it's good we've warmed up to this is who you want to disclose to. Yeah. Right. Um, Because there is, you have ADHD, whether or not you tell anybody about it, right. Um, Some kinds of support that you need to access, you can only access if you tell some people you have ADHD, right. That would be formal accommodations through your university or colleges, accommodations, bureaucracy, um, but some other informal supports um, or life hacks are available only when people understand what's happening with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so because I am a faculty member who has on my syllabus under my accommodations policy that I am autistic and have ADHD, right? So like, look, I get you fam, right? And um, I have that there, which means I'm the informal advisor for everybody on campus who has either one of those disorders. It's like my name yep. is spread in some Reddit forum somewhere. It's like all these kids in my office all the time. Uh, and And they are so, the way their eyes get so big when I'm like oh yeah that strategy that people are telling you like to write a little bit every day is like probably not going to work for Mm -hmm. you you probably just think about writing every day and then you spend 10 times longer not writing but thinking about it then they're asking you to spend writing and so like oh my god how did you know I'm like because like look me also right so we did this whole episode on a crazy advice that people give neuro neurodivergent people that does not work for them right so so sometimes if you if you have people around you and there's more of us than you think who also have ADHD, you can learn a lot from them about how to navigate the particular classrooms or institutions or um, academic programs or towns uh, that you find yourself living in. You need to find other people who share your neurodivergence, who can help mentor you or, or support you, or at least not gaslight you, but what your experiences are. And that's a bit risky because you will have to disclose um, to some people in order to find that like a lightweight way to do that might be to see if your um, university or college has any sort of disability clubs right yep. <laughs> or any sort of study groups for people with ADHD or like things that are on campus that are kind of drop in or group based that you can sort of show up 
before where you're not just like, hi, my name is Amy and I'm ADHD. You're saying to like the person sitting next to you in your first seminar on your first day, like if that feels too much, go to spaces where it's accepted to be uh, neurodivergent. You see, that's what I would do, right? Like, (laughs) Uh, well, I know that's what I do too, but not everybody is like that, right? Uh, So it was funny sidebar. My kid was just like, we were both brushing our teeth the other night. We're having like teeth brushing thoughts. And they turned to me and said like, mom, oh, my friend was telling me this. And then they paused. They're like, yeah, people are always telling me stuff like this. It's not even my friends. It's like people I don't know very well, but like, they're telling me all of this, like important stuff about themselves that they don't seem to tell other people. Why is that? And I was like, oh, I know why. And they're like, what? It was a rhetorical question. I'm like, no, it wasn't though. I know why it's because you lead like, hello, you know, my name is so-and-so. And then you tell them something incredibly personal about you because you're an oversharer because we're yeah. all oversharers. And once you overshare, now they're going to, and they, <laughs> my kid sat down on the floor and was like, I hate you. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. But like, that's why, yeah. because people yeah. do no, that I know. Um, yeah. to me too. But some of us are a bit more nervous, yeah. yes. uh, more highly invested in masking. And like, I respect that, but it's going to be very hard um, for you to succeed as a person with ADHD in an academic context, if you don't get some advice, probably, and navigation tips and survival strategies from other people um, who are neurodivergent in that same institutional context as you. Because Lee and I, like, we could give all kinds of advice from our own particular situations. And also, like, we're old as fuck by this point, right? Yes. So, like, well, that's exactly it, right? Like, smoking areas, having to physically show up to register. Yeah, paper exams. Paper, what yeah, the hell? paper exams. Like, actually, there were no computer. Physically showing up to like put a check on in terms of like crazy, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) so that kind of thing. Like uh, the risk, I will say, for me has always been worth it in terms of how I have been rewarded with more success and more friends and more ability to cope with the things that I have had to face where it was very difficult for me as a neurodivergent person to access that. So so think about ways, our dear ADHD listeners and parents of ADHD listeners, um, where you can start to build a support network of people who share uh, your disorders and quirks um, in the easiest way, least barriered way for you to start doing if you are a kind of committed masker. Um, and if you're not a committed masker like me and Lee, you just walk up to people and say, hi, you know, I have ADHD. I'm amazing at doing things very fast. But do you know, like, do we have class next week? As I lost yeah. the syllabus, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just go for it. There's a lot of ways. I don't know what the room number is. I only know the path there. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my God. You're path dependent as it were. Yeah, I am right? path dependent. No, no, I was totally path dependent. I'm still path dependent. People are like, where's your office? I said, I don't know. You take a oh. left and then the left yeah. and then it's that door, right? Well, yeah. what room number is it? I'm like, I don't know, 310 maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You're trying to visualize the door and you're like, oh, yeah. what does it look like? It's yeah. like, it across from a window. To, I know we used to have a Super Mario <laughs> outside the door. Yeah. But I have no I idea what the room Time dilation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, don't ask me that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. What was the date we were going to do that? Oh shit. I don't know. My students yeah. ask me in class sometimes. They're like, and how many words does it have to be? I'm like, look, I don't know. Let's both look at the handout because I yeah. taught some version of this so many times to so many yeah. cohorts and I've made so many changes. I honestly have no idea what I assigned you. Yeah. Let's look it up together. Like, Let's look it I up know. together. Don't ask me. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I have to Do go to another other... meeting at 1230. Yeah. So uh, you're remembering, you're getting... just flexing on me that yeah. you remember. No, I had like seven different notifications pop up while we were talking. Oh, okay. So like, the, so yeah, so my watch told me and then my computer told me and then my browser window told me. So like, this is again, how I do things. If my calendars don't scream at me, 
Yep. And I won't do it. But man, do they ever scream at me and make sure that I do it. Yep. I have Lee who DMs me, who tells me when yes, I have to be places. <laughs> that works better for me. <laughs> Except the, I, I do have to say, I, I do want to tell the story about you um, agreeing to go to the triple uh, quadruple C, CCC or whatever, yes. and also forgetting that you had a midterm that day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I, the I went to a conference uh, and I very cleverly um, in December, when I was planning this course, I was like, I will be at four C's. I'm going to put the midterm there so someone can give the midterm for me, except my like RA also went to four C's and it was like the week before. And I was like, oh shit, I am not going to be here. I don't have anybody to actually give this exam to my students. So my husband did it. <laughs> and did we, he brought fucking Timbits. They're going to oh. like him better than because yeah, he's like, yeah, totally. He's run a race. That's a flex. My God. I know. He's like, you run a race, man. You need to fuel up after. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you gave them completion timbits. Like, honest to God, I don't have that level of function. I'm there every week yeah. and I'm just pretty sure the evaluations are going to be like, bring back that guy who gave us the exam. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> like, but her big ups better. to my husband who yes. actually, and, and he had to print the exam because I sent it to him. I forgot to give it to him before. I left so I had to email the word doc to him Chicago on Thursday morning which was like it was Thursday like 10 a.m my time but 11 a.m here and the exam was at four so I was like hopefully but I did remember to bring exam booklets for him I just did not remember to give him the exam or 90 percent or 90 percent room directions and like look look it went it went well I think I hope but yeah classic classic us right there oh boy Tips All right. Tips. So um, as always, you can find us um, still uh, for a little while longer on Twitter. Uh, I'm ready writing. Um, Amy and is Digiwonk. At Digiwonk. At yep. Digiwonk. You can always mm -hmm. email us. As you see, we take ideas from the um, from the emails so that we don't have to come up with them ourselves. Absolutely uh, true. And so that is all the things ADHD at gmail.com. All uh, the things. All the things um we we might be back next week i hope we're back next week but maybe it'll Fingers snow crossed. um and maybe <laughs> my husband lee is having his shoulder surgery next week so oh. i will not be able to record on friday let the internet know okay seven days great in advance I so you're not doing this, this from the hospital being like oh so yeah. i will not be texting you from the hospital saying so thing is maybe my husband is dying but i could probably record later if he lives no <laughs> so everybody like thoughts and prayers not written thoughts by chatbot for my husband who's getting the plate and screws taken out of his shoulder next week oh good hope the like fingers crossed man fingers crossed all right everybody. all right take care everyone have a great bye. two weeks <laughs> bye hey so i'm back with one last piece of advice um to surviving your undergrad that came to me as I am doing this late, meant to do it for last Friday, barely going to get it in for this Friday, um, is to, uh, you know, leave yourself some slack, right? Like things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to, calendar notifications are going to interrupt your recording, um, and so if you don't have, if you haven't left yourself any slack, then if something falls by the wayside or you fall behind, it's going to feel like a catastrophe. So don't overschedule yourself and leave yourself lots of slack like I did, 
by lowering expectations that these are not going to be weekly <laughs> this semester, given everyone's lives. So, um, thanks. Uh, we are not, you know, publishing this and then, um, hopefully next week, Amy and I will find time to record. And if not, we'll get you something when we get you something. Have a great day. Bye.